you are listening to the Voice of Wealth podcast. I'm Charlotte de Capoisson. In this podcast, we will address the future of banking. The landscape for banks is shifting rapidly. Since the financial crisis a decade ago, banks have been under huge pressure to tighten regulations, step up internal control, offer customers more attractive terms and conditions, provide greater transparency about how fees and commissions are charged and presented, and of course, cut costs in every possible area. Moreover, banks have had additional regulatory constraints, which have increased costs. Another fly in the ointment is the low interest rate environment, which is not very good for business. Other challenges include the whole area of technology, including digitalization and growing competition from online players, so additional costs in IT infrastructure. I'm joined by Ed Sheng today, Global Chief Investment Officer from BNP Paribas Wealth Management. Hello, Ed. Hi there, Charlotte. You have worked for several banks during your career. Not only do you hold a PhD, but you were also a software analyst at some point. So you are perfectly placed to discuss today's topic. We regularly learn in the media that such and such a bank is closing down a surprisingly large number of its physical branches. In an age in which customers are doing more and more banking operations online or on their phone. So, Ed, in our increasingly digital world, do you think we are going in the direction of seeing branches disappear from the high street altogether? Well, I, I think that's a tough question to answer because, on the one hand, clearly the number of branches is reducing. There is no doubt that the trend is towards everything online, not just in retail, but also in banking. So, people do prefer to access their banking both their accounts and their services more online these days as opposed to in a branch. Having said that, branches are still useful. There are still points at which we want to take cash out, for instance. So at the very least, you want a cash point machine, an ATM, or you may still want to discuss with in-person your financial affairs and maybe even get some advice about accounts, about investments and savings, mortgages, and so on. So I think there is still a role for bank branches, but quite clearly the number of branches continues to fall, uh, particularly in continental Europe, where the concentration of bank branches per person is much higher than, for instance, in the UK, the US or Sweden. So I think what we will see, particularly in continental Europe, is the number of bank branches per person reduce to get closer to the ratios we see elsewhere. We are in the fifth industrial revolution defined as the combination of humans and machines in the workplace. Artificial intelligence is already taking over whole swathes of the economy. So in the banking industry, Ed, do you think that customer advisors, private bankers, financial analysts and strategists will be replaced one day by algorithm machines and robots? In other words, are these roles under threat? Well, I think artificial intelligence are going to put a lot of white-collar jobs generally under threat, particularly those that involve a lot of routine. Now, within a bank, there are quite a lot of jobs that involve routines. But I think what's going to be impacted more by the progress of technology within financial services is much more middle office and back office. So things like settlement, boring things like that, will clearly be more and more automated. And that's happening. And maybe new technologies like blockchain will accelerate that digital transformation in the middle and back offices. However, in what we call the front office, that is client facing roles, I still think there are very, there is a very strong role for people to give advice to clients and people, you know, clients want to hear advice typically from a human than from a computer. 
So there is the growth, for instance, within portfolios, uh, portfolio investment of ro- so-called robo-advisors, which are algorithms which will automatically allocate your money into various investments. But these have not been massively successful yet. And I think a lot of the reason for that is because people ultimately, when they talk about these serious financial subjects, want to talk to a human person and want to be able to bounce ideas off a human person. And that's not really possible with these robo-advisors. They're very strict. They're very um, straightforward. And really, they don't allow for a huge amount of customization, which is something perhaps a human can provide. Admittedly, banks are progressively having to compete with online players offering similar products and services, some of them offering rock bottom fees or no fees at all. Do you believe that these players might elbow out the established financial institutions that have existed for decades or even centuries? Or do you think banks may play a smaller role going forward? Well, certainly there is increased competition. And we could talk about uh, fintech financial technology companies and also come to new competitor banks, particularly online banks, um, providing more competition for established the established banks. That being said, there is, of course, the value of brands, there is the value of physical locations, and there is the value of trust, because you do build up trust between, let's say, a banking institution and their clients over time. And this is not something that can be easily replaced. So with these startups, they are exactly that, startup. And the question that I think a lot of clients will, will have is, do I want to put my main financial transactions, my main banking account with these people, because they may not be around in five or 10 years time. The one thing we do know about established banks is they've been around for a long time. And they're generally very highly regulated. But people do have a certain level, at least of trust in the banks with which they bank at the moment. So what we find when we look at the landscape is that traditional banks have lost a little bit of ground in certain financial services, but generally that relationship of trust with their client is still there and still operates and is still very important. And competitors in, for instance, the fintech space or online banking have in general struggled to make too much headway. So I think that element of trust, which takes a long time to build up, is not something that can be built up by competitors, a new entrants, at least in the short term. Ed, I'd like to talk now about retail investors who bypass banks and brokers when they make transactions on platforms like Robinhood. Previously, this was unimaginable, but some of these investors are very successful, very young and seemingly make a lot of money. Has trading in stocks become too easy? What are the dangers, do you think? I must admit, you can argue both sides of this, because on the one hand, you cannot deny that lower costs, ease of access, generally good things for retail investors, because obviously if the fees are lower, they keep more of their own money. And if access is easier, maybe they can find more interesting investments and a greater wealth or possibility of greater universe of investments in which they can dabble. Having said that, there is the flip side that, as you said, it could be too easy. And these online platforms with their very low fees actually encourage overtrading. And one thing we know from the academic literature is overtrading is very bad for the financial health of investors in the long term, because there are always fees. And even if, again, commissions have come down, there's still, for instance, if you buy a stock, there's still what we call a bid-ask spread, the gap between the price you buy the stock and the price you sell the stock. So you're still going to be paying that spread if you buy a stock one day and sell it the next. So there are still costs involved. And the more you trade, the more costs you will incur. That is for sure over time. And so sometimes I think you have to trade that ease of use and the the very low costs off against 
the need for an investor to have self-discipline to stop that overtrading. And unfortunately, as we know, a lot of people don't have that self-discipline and therefore will overtrade just as you know, a lot of people are prone to gambling and gambling too much and then getting into difficulty. Well, the same thing typically can happen with online trading to the extent that we can talk about the gamification of online trading with applications such as Robinhood, maybe making it too much like a game as opposed to serious investment. And I think we need to understand this is, this is not a game. Investment is a serious business and needs to be taken very seriously because it can have very deleterious effects on your financial and mental well-being should it go wrong. Ed, your strategy team is positive on bank stocks. European and American banks reported excellent first quarter earnings. And you said in a previous interview that analysts will need to revise up their forecast for the full, t- full year results. What is the ideal investment period for holding bank stocks, in your opinion? Well, that always depends to some extent on the investment horizon of the investor. But it is true that if we look over the long term, up until the mid 2000s, banks had been actually pretty good investments. So you would have said you could even buy and hold banks. However, since 2009, since the end of the great financial crisis, one thing is clear that banks have not been good investments relative to the rest of the stock market. In fact, you could easily have outperformed the stock market just by buying the stock market but leaving out the banks because banks did that badly for that long. That's changed recently because banks have now, after all these years, are much better capitalized. They have cut costs quite dramatically over over time and invested, of course, in their digital platforms. But most importantly, they benefit from the pickup in economic growth globally. It's a cyclical sector. Banking is a cyclical sector and then therefore benefits from an upswing in economic growth just as it suffers from a, a downswing. We're in an upswing right now. We are seeing increases in demand for mortgages. We should see increases in demand for corporate lending for things like investment. And that generally tends to be good for banks. So I think earnings should continue to improve for banks from what has been a relatively low level last year. We will also see banks resuming the payment of dividends because, again, one of the attractions historically of the banking sector has been as an income producing sector. But last year, at least in Europe, that did not happen because regulators stopped banks from paying dividends, but they resume payment this year. And so they become a good income producing investment once again. So I think there is upside. Now, would I hold it for the next banks for the next 10 years? Probably not. Probably I'd be looking at a horizon of the next 12 months and then we'll see. And what countries or regions do you like in particular for bank stocks? Well, I think Europe is very much in vogue at the moment, and I think that that makes a lot of sense. If we look at the recovery from the pandemic, uh, US banks have actually performed much better in the recovery than European banks up to now, perhaps reflecting the fact that the US economy has exited lockdown quicker and with stronger growth. But let's not forget, Europe is also now exiting lockdown, and we should see growth pick up quite substantially, both on the consumer and on the corporate side. So that should be good news for bank earnings, as I said, going forward. But particularly in Europe, I think a special focus should be in the UK, where we are seeing still very cheap valuations, relatively high dividend yields, and a fast recovery ending after the end of lockdown in the UK domestic economy. So I think, if anything, UK banks may be a very good area to look at right now. Thank you very much, Ed Sheng. Goodbye. Thank you, Charlotte. Goodbye. (laughs) 